Hello, and welcome to the People Chronicles Story Women. I'm your host, Anna Rose and Gara Milch, and I'm also the author of Lunch with Lucille. Lunch with Lucille is a story of how one woman impacted another woman. And here on Storied Women, we bring women from our community to share their stories so we can learn from them as well. And today, my special guest is Linda Umstead. Welcome, Linda. Thank you so much for inviting me, Anna Rose. You're welcome. Now, if, if you live in the Berks County area, you may have, if you have not heard of Linda Umstead, you have definitely heard her beautiful heart music. But today, we're going to take a little variation. We're going to lear learn about her story. So um, my first question to you, Linda, is what is it that you want the takeaway to be today? What do you want everyone to remember from our little chat? I think one thing that I would like everyone to remember is no matter how much hardship or loss that you're experiencing, I'd like you to try and think of it as not being buried, but being planted. And to remember that in the process of planting, a seed has to experience complete and utter destruction and death. And also in the process of blooming, it has to be nourished with a whole heap of manure. So that's what it takes to grow a beautiful flower. That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. So I'm guessing that when you say that, that's what you want other people to, to take from this, is that you've had loss. I You're have talking loss. about personal loss. So could you share with us some of that? I can. I, I think um, my first experience was back before 2008 when my mother was diagnosed with cancer. And six months later, I went for my annual screening and they took more and more pictures. And I had been diagnosed with a stage 3C cancer and it was pretty serious. Of cancer of what? It was breast cancer. Breast cancer. And I had surgery, chemotherapy, radiation, more chemotherapy, <laughs> more surgeries. And uh, six months into that process, my husband, who was only 50 years old at the time, was diagnosed with a stage four colon cancer. My. So you were really hit with multiple um, realities, I guess you could say. At the, at the same time, and, yeah. and it, only, it only got worse. His, his diagnosis was only six months, but he was a fighter. So we went through this together. Um, so when you say we went through this together, you're going through your treatment, he's going through his treatment? You're exactly. literally going through it together? We, we literally were, and there were times that also my mother was in the infusion center as well. So there were three of us in one family. Wow. And um, he was such a fighter. He lost his battle in 2011. So he hung on for three years. Two and a half Two years. Two years, wow. Yeah. Yes, he was strong, and three months after he passed away, my mother, on her on what was to be her last chemotherapy treatment, she suffered a stroke afterwards, oh, which right. left her paralyzed. But she could, she could hear what we said to her. She just couldn't speak, and it was so painful to see her knowing what she knew that she was coming to the end of her time with cancer and not being able to speak to anybody it was it was very hard to see yeah it's it's uh, i'm sure that must have been so painful for you do you have you have brothers and sisters or is this just I, you i i do have a brother okay and he's very supportive but 
she passed away three months after that and my dad started to go downhill pretty quickly and he developed Alzheimer's what we didn't know was that he also had brain cancer mm -hmm. as well in the same place where brain cancer happened or Alzheimer's happens so I had moved in with him to become his caregiver and we had his name on a waiting list but unfortunately nobody would take him because you mean, uh, you mean in a uh, nursing home yes facility okay yes they they I, I think they just didn't have um, people to, to cope with the person that that he had become through the disease and the medication that he was being given and so we cared for him at home with the help of hospice and that's how I became acquainted with Combasis Hospice who I now work with um, that's how you got to okay yes all right so I mean, do you think that usually when these things happen, I mean, I don't know, did you ask yourself, why me? Oh, very much so. And, and I think initially with the cancer diagnosis, there was a lot of anger because I was at a point in my life where both of my daughters were in college and um, my husband and I were ready to start that second chapter yeah, sure. of our lives. And we had so many plans and dreams and everything just came to a screeching halt. And it was very different from what we had envisioned. So um, I think at first there was anger, and then for a while it was just survival mode. But then after that, I, f I found myself seeking more and more guidance um, from other people, from books, from church and being on more of a path to say to myself, how can, how can I learn from everything that's happened? How can I positively impact other people? Yeah, so, so what I'm hearing you say is that from your loss and you found a new purpose. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and that purpose now is to? Well, I work with, uh, with Compasses Hospice. I also work as a church organist. And music Had director. you done that before? Yes, oh, okay, I've, I've been doing that for quite a long time and so that was really helpful too because I had a whole community of faith sure. behind me going through this too. In fact when I was diagnosed my the pastor that was serving at the time told me just take the whole summer off which of course I didn't do that but just knowing that I had that support behind me wanted it, it made me want to work extra hard and, yeah. uh, and so that was wonderful to have all that support. Um, but yes, the way, the way that I came to work with Compassus is that when they came to assist with my father, I had brought a harp over to his home to play for him. And they started asking me to do memorial services. And, and then I had received a call after he had passed and they said, we've been thinking of making this service available to our patients on a daily basis. And I happen to have had training in that area. It's just that when I was diagnosed with cancer, I had to push that aside. So what do you mean training in that area? What, ty what type of training does that mean? I had taken coursework in how to become a therapeutic harpist. Really? There's actually coursework in how there, to become a th therapeutic artist? There is. There's a uh, board of standards, and there are many courses out there that not only mm -hmm. harpists, but musicians can take. And they will train you in how to assist people by playing at the bedside or playing also in common areas of the hospital or 
or facility. I never knew that. I never knew that. You know, and uh, before we came on camera, I was telling you that uh, I, I am, I, I'm a, you know, between dogs and cats, I'm a dog lover. But, uh, but I like cats. And uh, so don't, don't, don't be writing and saying anything. <laughs> um, but, but when I listen to you play, there is that, that, that therapy, I, I feel it, even though thankfully I'm healthy, is there is a therapeutic element. I think that is the word, but I feel like a cat who is lays in the sun in front of the, you know, in the sliding glass door or on top of the couch and they just sit there like that. That's how I feel when I, when I listen to you play. There is a sort of, of calmness that comes over me. And like I say, I'm a healthy woman, thankfully. Mm -hmm. And I, but I, I feel that. I, it, it's amazing. And so now that you're telling me that there's actually training in it, I mean, I would assume that you first have to have the gift to be trained in it. It's, I, I think with harp, it's, it's something that you really have to love because some instruments are more forgiving. You could not sit down at the piano for quite some time and then sit down and, and just the, um, with the muscle memory and the motion that your hands take, you could play. But with a harp, there's a lot of pulling and tension on your fingers as you play the strings. It's not something that you can just put to the side and pick it up and play. Yeah, it's amazing. I don't, you, you really need to, it's, if anybody can ever watch Linda play or listen to Linda play, I should say, you really need to do this, you really need to do this. Well, How about your you. back muscles? Are you like really strong? Yeah. Actually, the harp that I use for hospice happens to be made out of carbon fiber. There's not a splinter of wood in it. Wow. So it stands about 60 inches tall, but it only weighs 11 pounds, whereas the wood equivalent would be about 50 to 60 pounds. Oh, there's a trick behind it. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and so you travel with... I, I do. With and you go, so you, you just pick your harp up and just like somebody with a guitar and you put the harp in the car and then you go to the next place? I do. Three days a week I work here in the Berks County area and then two days a week I work up in Schuylkill County as we have facilities and home patients in both. You have definitely bloomed where you are planted. I can honestly say that. I mean, that it, it's just amazing what you have done. You know, you've taken all this loss and you have made this beautiful flower from it. We appreciate you coming in and sharing with that. Well, thank you so much. And I, Appreciate you all coming in to listen. Thank you. Thank you for following Storied Women on The People Chronicles. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, The People Chronicles, and you won't miss any stories. These stories are made possible in part by Spring Ridge Financial, Heidelberg Restaurant, Queen City Restaurant, and PJ Wood.